Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a video and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Today, I'm privileged to have a very, very accomplished individual from Istanbul, Turkey, Sule Kutle Gandur, who is with, my, with us today. Sule, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Sule is a leadership coach. She's a strategic consultant, a keynote speaker. She's a resilience at work practitioner, and we're going to speak about that. She has been a news reporter in Washington. She has been a man the managing director of Saatchi and Saatchi Advertising, and she's a part of the YPO fraternity to which I also belong. So, uh, Sule, tell me, what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career? Hmm. I would say the first one is going to the U.S. to study hmm. abroad and leaving home at 18 leaving Istanbul. I went to McAllister College uh, to study psychology and communication. And McAllister is known for its internationalism. It's got about a 15% mm -hmm. international student body. And as a small liberal arts college, it's, it's quite unique. They, to this day, mm -hmm. they fly the United Nations flag to, okay. together with the American mm -hmm. flag. Mm -hmm. And what that has taught me uh, is a true meaning of diversity and collaboration. So I would say that's the first milestone. Okay. Um, the second one is working in advertising, mm -hmm. uh, working for Saatchi and Saatchi for 10 years. I worked with incredibly bright and diverse minds. Mm -hmm. And uh, that gave me a chance to learn strategic thinking, mm -hmm. uh, creative expression, and proactive action, I would say. So mm -hmm. that was invaluable. And the third one is the famous COVID that mm -hmm. uh, we're all facing today. Because we're facing such a big challenge and mm -hmm. ambiguity, once again, it reminded me about the preciousness of time. Correct. And uh, because the philosopher Seneca naturally says it better than me, I'd like mm -hmm. to quote sure, here. Sure. It is not that we have a short time to live, but that we waste a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Putting things off is the biggest waste of life. Mm -hmm. It snatches away each day as it comes and denies us the present by promising the future. Wow. The whole future lies in uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Live immediately. Amazing. So it has given me the motto of living immediately mm -hmm. and accomplishing all the things that mm -hmm. I would like to do. So I would say these are the three Fantastic. Miles. Fantastic. I love the quote. So, Sule, you know, you are a coach. Let me ask you a few questions on coaching because there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about. Mm. Let's start with saying coaching traditionally, in, in certainly in my part of the world, was done either by a boss who took a liking for you or mm. by a family member, an older family member. Today, it's becoming very, very professionalized. My question is, why is coaching becoming so relevant in the corporate world? Yes, uh, you're very right. It is becoming uh, exceptionally relevant and it's a new social science that is growing. Okay. Uh, we started from more mentoring, I think, and then we moved into uh, coaching as mm -hmm. a social science. We, I will support what you said with numbers. According to the latest ICF data from 2019, there are about wow. 71,000 coaches around the world and this wow. number is up by 33 
percent since 2015, and the billing revenues from coaching is 2.8 billion, which wow. is up by 25 percent. And we expect this to go up further with uh, the urge to take care of our mental well-being and therefore mm. performance. Mm. But I think um, the key here is that coaching. Um, works with your emotional and social intelligence and competence. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it has the ability to make you more self-aware and make behavioral changes. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it is quite popular in the corporate world as well. In terms of um, executive coaching, what we do is we, we can increase leadership skills like mm -hmm. influencing people or taking care of conflict. Right. We can... Um, work uh, with communication effectiveness, mm -hmm. how you work better with teams and how you can enhance your communication style and make it more challenging yet supportive at the, mm -hmm. at the same time. We can work with transitions in terms of changing jobs, mm -hmm. uh, changing countries, and most importantly these days, resilience and adaptability, of course, mm -hmm. how you can face a crisis and sudden change and how you can be more adaptable to it. Okay. And I think that's why. Very, very interesting. And, you know, you just spoke of mentoring. Mm. What is the difference between coaching and mentoring? I think they, they're both trying to do the same thing. They mm. have the same goal in mind, which is maximizing personal and professional potential and unleashing that. Okay. So it furthers your life. It furthers your career life and uh, gives you progress and goal attainment. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, uh, a coach will give you impartial and intuitive feedback mm -hmm. and a mentor will give you more directive feedback. Okay. A coach will ask impartial pro uh, provocative questions mm -hmm. and a mentor will give you career advice Correct. and share their specific knowledge on mm -hmm. the matter. Mm -hmm. Coaching has a set time frame. Uh, and specific goals, whereas mentoring is more fluid. Hmm. You know, it evolves with the relationship and right. with what's going on in your in your life. And uh, also, coaching is usually financially compensated for, whereas uh, mentors are usually are on a pro bono basis. Okay. Are they? I fully understand. Wonderful. So, tell me, you know, in the corporate world, who should look for a coach? Oh, anybody and everybody who has an agenda to, to grow okay. and become more self-aware and develop, mm -hmm. uh, I think. If you have these three questions in mind, um, defining your context, what's up, what's happening in my life, in mm -hmm. my personal life and professional life, mm -hmm. and uh, looking at the content of your life, what is really important for me? Okay. And if you'd like to move into specific action, into mm -hmm. conduct, and ask what's next and how can I get there better and faster, then I believe it's, it's good to get a strategic accountability partner, i.e. a coach. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. And how long should my association be with my coach? That really depends on the goals that you set and mm -hmm. what you'd like to work on. So it's quite specific per contract among the client and the coach. Uh, usually, we prefer minimum of four to six sessions because you can't get commitment through involvement and action before that. Having said that, though, if you, if you have a very specific issue you'd like to uh, approach and get feedback and perspective on, mm -hmm. say 
you all of a sudden get a wonderful job offer, mm -hmm. but you're really happy in your company and you would like to get perspective on that mm -hmm. um, and you're not sure how to go forward, then we do something called laser coaching. Uh, we focus uh, and we master that subject together okay. through questions and setting the agenda in a very structured manner. So that's one or two sessions. Very interesting. So one more question on coaching before I move to the next segment. Uh, sure. From a coachy perspective, hmm. how do I evaluate if my coach is good? Hmm. Well, obviously, the certification and the credentials is quite important. So it has to come uh, from a respectable institute, hmm. uh, like International Coaching Federation or a university like the one I attended, Co uh, Columbia Coaching Master's hmm. Level Program. Uh, there are others at Harvard um, and uh, Washington in Washington mm -hmm. as well. Not many universities have these programs, but or both. Mm -hmm. So that's quite important. And then the references uh, and, and the background, what okay. they have done. After that, I think it's kind of like uh, a strategic partnership. So it's all about the fit. Mm -hmm. um, what are your needs and what is the coach delivering? So what is the coach's style, communication style? Mm -hmm. What is uh, the preferred method of coaching? Uh, for him or she, what kind of tools do they use? Uh, what kind of business expertise do they have and, okay. uh, and, and wisdom to, to contribute to this mm -hmm. and so on. And uh, by asking those questions, I think you can pick the right coach for yourself. Terrific. So let's move to uh, the second area of your specialization, which is resilience at work. You're a resilience at work practitioner. Yes. My first question to you is, how do you define resilience and why is it important in the workplace? Um, Harvard Business School uh, defines it very shortly. I'll share that first. Mm -hmm. uh, adaptability personified. Okay. I think, uh, though, the simplest way to define resilience is through an analogy with the bamboo plant. Bamboo mm -hmm. is quite an interesting plant. It thrives around uh, the world in all climates and countries. Mm -hmm. It can take a lot of rain. It can take a lot of drought. It grows about nine centimeters per day, okay. so on. But the most important quality is its tensile strength. Mm -hmm. It is greater than of steel. Okay. So you can bend a bamboo all you mm -hmm. like, but you simply cannot break it. Mm -hmm. So what we talk about resilience, what we mean is being as flexible mm -hmm. and therefore enduring as a bamboo tree. Okay. Um, I think that's the easiest way to define it. And another thing I'd like to say is that courage is quite an important element in mm -hmm. resilience. To have the courage to really uh, stare back at your own reality right in the eye, no matter how tough it may be okay. at the moment, because that's going to move you into uh, resourcefulness, proactivity, and optimism. Hmm. It's, it's and crucial. Oh, I'm sorry. Please no, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I think it's crucial in, in the workplace hmm. uh, because uh, with the fourth industrial revolution and with this pandemic, uh, change and complexity is an integral part of our lives. So you need uh, the skill to change with change and be adaptable quickly. So you, you cannot really survive without resilience these days. Interesting. And, you know, at the workplace, and I'm sure you must have worked with hundreds and hundreds of people where, you know, in the workplace, there is lots of negativity, mm. you know, among colleagues and when it's competition, it's, you know, uh, people are looking for more and more senior roles, etc., etc. How does a person build resilience in themselves to be able to counter this negativity? 
That's an excellent question. Um, and the answer is not going to be very easy or simple and direct, but uh, uh, let me attempt. Okay. Um, I think what resilience gives you is a sense of perspective against all this negativity. And uh, the first question to ask yourselves, I think, would be, what's the best that can happen? Mm. What's the worst that can happen? Okay. Because uh, if you just sit down for two minutes and answer this question, you, are, uh, you come to realize that mm. life usually happens somewhere in between. Mm. It's never terrible or terrific, really. Mm. Sure. It's in between. And this invites you to reality, which is the starting point of okay. resilience. Then I have um, a, a simple formula that uh, I share with my clients. I call it the three C's in crisis. Mm -hmm. But three simple questions you can ask um, and answer. The first one is, uh, what is in my control to change? Mm -hmm. What can I actually work on? Mm -hmm. And what is beyond my control? So I need to accept. Mm -hmm. So you're defining, you know, acceptance versus responsibility. Mm -hmm. Secondly, uh, what's important for me? Mm -hmm. What's critical in my life? Sure. Um, and who can help me achieve that? And, and thirdly, uh, what kind of an insight will I be getting from all this? Mm -hmm. I think if you sit down and answer these questions and think about them, this will move you uh, from negativity into more of a positive problem-solving, mm -hmm. proactive and resourceful mindset. And therefore, for, uh, you move from happy unhappy to the meaning and the purpose of mm. the matter mm. and gain more optimism. Very interesting. And, and you know, again, with all, amongst all the people you have worked, etc., can you give me an example without names mm. of when you were faced with someone with poor resilience and how you helped to strengthen it? I will give you a, a, a group example. Okay. In uh, when COVID uh, started, people were—I mean, none of us were expecting this—and mm -hmm. uh, we we weren't sure what to do, and we we were looking for something to turn to. Um, and at that time, I started uh, a YPO uh, resilience platform in mm -hmm. in Europe, and a group of people joined this who were interested in this. Um, and after the first webinar, uh, we became a group of ten people. Mm -hmm. And we uh, spent uh, about an hour to two hours okay. every two weeks. And we looked at our personal lives and our professional lives and our resiliency stock mm -hmm. and uh, how we were dealing with COVID and where we were good at and mm -hmm. where we weren't so good at. Mm -hmm. Some people were great at emotional control, for example. Others were great in asking for help. Mm -hmm. uh, others in terms of proactivity. Uh, others hope and optimism and faith okay. so we, we get a chance to learn from one another i know this is not a very specific example but i think this is a good example to yeah. point out mm -hmm. um, the fact that latest research is is showing us that resilience is not a goal but it is um, a process and a tool to get you into self-efficacy and goal attainment okay. and what's critical to do that is not individual resilience, it's collective resilience. Okay. So the more resources you have around you in mm -hmm. terms of what you need, mm -hmm. and the more collaboration you make, mm -hmm. the more resilient you will uh, feel. Wonderful. And 
and get a perspective. So that's why I wanted to share this Perfect. example. So my, you know, follow up question to that, and you know, you're a coach. Uh, you are, you know, a practitioner of resilience. You work with many, many CEOs. Hmm. What, according to you, are some of the important qualities a CEO should have? Well, uh, before saying resilience, uh, let me say something else, mm -hmm. which is authenticity. I think, okay. um, really being who you are and coming to terms with it, and being able to openly share it, mm -hmm. because who you are determines how you lead. Mm -hmm. And if you know that, and if you're vulnerable enough to share that, mm -hmm. then people see your strengths. People see your blind spots, mm. so they can complement it. Okay. And you can practice diverse whole brain thinking with mm. your teams and with the people around you, which is going to make you more adaptable. So I think authenticity and vulnerability that is needed to do that okay. is a prerequisite these okay. days. Okay. And then, of course, resilience mm. uh, would be the second quality to okay. be able to change with change. Very interesting. And you say vulnerability. You, what you're saying is that a CEO should not be scared of being vulnerable. No, not at all. And not yet all. have the resilience to be able to overcome the vulnerability. I wouldn't say it's overcoming vulnerability. It's okay. more overcoming challenges together uh -huh. uh, by being realistic and asking for help when you need it. Mm -hmm. And of course, helping others and being proactive, you know, making backup plans mm -hmm. uh, no matter what. And uh, being hopeful, as, as again, I will quote our favorite school, NYPO Harvard Business School. Uh, they say that leadership in crisis is about two things, mm. brutally honest and hopeful. Mm. And that's how a leader should be. And what is that but resilience, really? Terrific. Honesty and uh, hopefulness. Fantastic. So one more question for you before I move to some questions for you personally. You know, you work with so many people across countries and across ages. Yes. Today, the world belongs to the millennials and the Gen Zs. I mean, you know, they're going to change this world. And I'm, I have a lot of faith in just when I look at my own children and so many other of their friends. When you work with millennials and Gen Zs, what do you notice about them, which is different from the mm -hmm. people before that? Um, great question. And I got a chance to experience this mm -hmm. in person um, just uh, over the five uh, past five weeks. I had a YNG program where I was mm -hmm. working with 18 to 28 year olds and uh, trying to give them tools to thrive in terms mm -hmm. of creativity and resilience. And uh, I would say the first thing is they're very tech savvy and they expect you to be. So there can be generational friction around that. Correct. They're incredibly flexible and open-minded. So mm -hmm. you need to be uh, like that. And they demand uh, flexibility in their work environment, not just in the way they think, but mm -hmm. how they work and when they work, where they work. Mm -hmm. um, they would like to move very fast up their careers, mm -hmm. uh, up the career ladder. Right. And so they have to make a lot of compromises mm -hmm. and live with that. So you need to be deal with this emotional and social complexity when right. you're working with them. Mm -hmm. um, this also requires upskilling for them. They need to learn different skills and become diverse. So for example, as a coach, um, I need to offer to them on one hand, adaptability mm -hmm. and resilience on the other time and stress management. 
um, according to their needs. Hmm. And they, they can't fit in any box. Okay. So you have to have niches, but hmm. also individualized programs to appeal to them. So that's, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective, that's how I see them. But they're, you know, they're that is, this is one of the most comprehensive definitions I have ever heard in all my <laughs> conversations of a millennial and a Gen Z. Thank you. You are very someone with your kind of experience could have shared it so cogently. That's amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. So, uh, Sule, I'm going to move to the last section of our conversation, which is some questions for you personally. Sure. Someone who's been in advertising, someone who's been in journalism, someone who's a, a respected coach, and so many other things that you've done. What does success mean to Sule? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 52 years old, mm-hmm. and I think that definition has evolved. Correct. And today, uh, I would define it as touching somebody's life mm-hmm. and uh, making a difference no matter how small. And this can be their personal lives or uh, their professional lives. Okay. The other day, I um, well, not the other day, it's been two months, but uh, I did a retreat with, uh, with, with a group. And at the end of the day, after we talked about their thinking preferences and mm-hmm. styles and conflict styles, we moved on to a life walk exercise. Mm-hmm. And I saw that everybody became really vulnerable and were willing to share at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So it was a moment of discovery and connection, okay. truly. And it made a difference in, mm-hmm. in their lives and in the lives of the group, for example. And, and that's invaluable for me. Okay. Okay. And a follow-up question to success is that what or who inspires you to keep pushing yourself to do so many interesting things? Um, There is no specific source. You know, I get bits from um, different sources. Of Mm -hmm. course, the mentors uh, I have uh, and my colleagues at Columbia University Coaching Program, Mm -hmm. as well as the Institute of Coaching at um, Harvard Mm McLean Hospital, um, we meet weekly and uh, share our thoughts and knowledge uh, and the science in coaching and consulting. And that's invaluable that I get a lot of inspiration from that. Okay. Uh, my husband, we share uh, a passion for lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we point out different things to each other, although we come from completely different sectors like logistics mm-hmm. and, and consulting and coaching. Yeah. But, um, poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love reading poetry. Oh, and sometimes mm-hmm. I write uh, poetry because mm-hmm. I find it to be the deepest but the shortest expression mm-hmm. uh, of yourself um, okay. as a person. And, uh, of course, my YPO forum uh, with endless support and provocative questions. Terrific. So I'm going to come to my last question. And this is a question on failure. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, failure is something which we keep on confronting all the time. I know that, you know, in in Asia, in India, parents don't teach their children it's okay to fail. And that manifests itself in a lot of the behavior patterns. Hmm. But we keep failing all the time. My question to you, Sule, is what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes or failures? 
Um, thank, thank you for that question. I think it's, it's highly critical. Carol Dweck, I'm sure uh, you know about her, talks about this growth mindset and how we should, um, you know, try to educate our children and how this actually starts, this growth mindset uh, versus uh, a more rigid and closed mindset at age even three or four. Uh, you give some kids... Um, uh, puzzles uh, that you put in front of them, puzzles that they've done before and they haven't done before. And those with a growth mindset will go to the puzzles mm. uh, that uh, they have not done before because they're comfortable mm. uh, with this new challenge and they actually enjoy it. And others uh, who have already defined uh, success and uh, self-esteem will go to those that they have done before. And we need to be able to find a way to, to change this mm -hmm. and enter this, I think, in our children. Uh, but um, in terms of my own experience, I think um, uh, one life-defining moment was being asked to be the managing director of Saatchi and Saatchi at age 33, you know, wow. big accomplishment and a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then uh, being asked to resign three years later overnight, mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, a big surprise and a lesson in resilience. Mm. And what I learned from that was no matter where you're at in your life, um, um, you need to have backup plans and be proactive uh, before something happens because it can uh, any, any minute at time. Another life-defining moment, this is uh, both I think about my personal and professional life was my father passing away last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had been dealing with an incurable immune disease together mm -hmm. uh, for 10 years. And as his health declined, I put my life, including my professional life uh, mm -hmm. on the back burner to be with him. I, I do not regret that. But mm -hmm. uh, what I came to realize is that there is a, a difference between sacrificing and giving. Correct. And it's a delicate balance mm. uh, to take care of yourself in between all that. That's so well said. Sulia, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. I wish you lots of success in everything that you're doing. I thank you very much. Uh, this has been a wonderful experience and I'm humbled by it. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.